Well, hello, everyone. Smile. Here we go. Come on. It's a good day, right? God is good. It's a great day to be here. It's a great day to be alive. We're going to pray away all the sickness. We're going to pray away all the craziness going on as we get to wrap up our series called You Ask For It. So, hey, maybe we didn't answer your question this year. Guess what? Voting starts tomorrow for 2021 for You Ask For It. So go to thevine.tv slash You Ask For It. And hey, maybe we'll answer your question next year. Anonymously, you could send in 50 of the same question. We don't know. I mean, it is what it is. So if you want your question answered, we would love to answer that. And so today, I'm so thankful that you are here. I'm so thankful that everyone is here, whether you're watching or listening throughout the world, or I get to see your smiling face right now in front of us. We say it all the time here at the Vine Church. You're only a guest one time. After that, you're family. So welcome to the family, and I'll say it again and say it again and say it again and say it again. If you're worried you won't fit in, I'm the crazy one, so you can just be you, so you can fit in wherever you are and whatever you do. So today, as family gets to know each other, here's the question I have for us. All right, I got two really quickly, so it'll be good times. Number one, how many of us have a favorite president? Okay, some folks responded. Awesome. Will you let your neighbor know who your favorite president is? Now, we're physically distanced. I'm going to tell you my favorite and the United States president in history, and then we'll go from there. Don't worry. We're not getting political. It's going to be good times. Uh, my favorite was Theodore Roosevelt. I know that that's crazy. May not. I know I see some others. Teddy, who doesn't love Teddy. It, was, it is what it is. That's where it was. Uh, that was mine. That, that's one of mine. It, you know, that's how we roll. So now that you've told each other your favorite president, you've made each other mad, go ahead and tell each other you're sorry that you don't like each other for your favorite president. That's okay. So here's the question I have next. What's your favorite Bible character? I don't hear pin drops. Let your, let your neighbor know. I didn't give good instructions. I'm sorry. So if you know me, outside of Jesus, obviously that's the right answer. You got to say Jesus in church, right? Joshua is my favorite. Elisha or Elijah are my favorite Bible characters. I love Joshua because it is the, he's like, dude goes around and just straight up starts slaying people. Like it is Braveheart on steroids when he's leading the Israelites into the promised land. Like it's my favorite thing in the world. So I love Joshua, but here's where I'm going with this. Here's where I'm going with this. How many of us, as we get ready for family gatherings, even though they're different, maybe we have dinner or we have lunch with our family. How many of our conversations tend to stray towards politics? How many of us have those conversations with our family? Let me ask you this then. How many of us that have those political conversations leave that conversation with hope? Zero. So why in the world do we get so worked up on something that could never save us, something that could never satisfy us, yet we get so fired up? We've been, we've been walking through a Bible reading plan together as a church family, and uh, as some folks are going there, you're welcome to join us. We try to do one just about every weekend. And one of the things that is breaking my heart in this season that I see is, before I even get to the question we're at, is if we got as emotionally charged for Jesus as we do about a political yard sign, my goodness, the hope of the gospel would already be to the ends of the earth. It would already be there, but we get so charged up about it. So I wanna tell you right now, I wanna be real with you 100% as I lay my cards on the table. I believe we live in the best country on the globe, the United States of America. I thank God by his grace and mercy that we get to be here today. And I wanna tell you coming up in these next few weeks, vote vote. I'm not here to tell you who to vote. I'm going to love you either way. But the reason that you should vote is this. Men and women gave their life and gave up their voice so that you could express yours in this country. So go vote. 
Go vote. I don't care how you vote. It's not my job to tell you how you vote. I'm going to love you either way. Jesus just calls me to love because here's the thing that I want to tell you. No matter whether there's a donkey, an elephant, or an independent in the White House, God's will still will be accomplished no matter what, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And so I want you to know right now, whatever's going on in your life, go vote. And the thing that I want to tell you is even though we're in America, what we have lost sight of is America is not God's promised land. I hate to burst bubbles. But I'm going to tell you what God's promise is, is Jesus, and Jesus is life, and he promises that he has a place prepared for us that will be much better than where we are right now. And so I want you to know, as we get ready, I'm coming in guns blazing, I know, as we get ready to wrap up, you ask for it, vote this week, pray for whoever's in charge, and trust God's will's going to be done, and know that your neighbor, whether they vote for a donkey, an elephant, or write their self in, I'll probably, uh, it is what it is, write their self in, whatever it is, if you want to write in Jesus' name, that's fine with me. Whatever you do, you, we are called to love them just the same. And that's what I'm going to do. And I would ask you to join me in doing that because that's what Jesus calls us to do. So all the way through as we get here, as we answer this question, today the question that we're going to answer is this. Are we one nation under God? Are we one nation under God? And see, the thing that we have to do is we have to answer that question, and it starts with us individually. Are we living for the red, white, and blue alone? Are we living for the Bill of Rights? Are we living for freedom for ourselves, Or are we being Christ to everyone he places in our path and setting people free from the death and certainty of hell and the death of sin? The question is up to us if we say, are we one nation under God? And so for us, I think what God has shown us in 2020 is where our hope is lying and where our hope isn't in him. Because he's shedding away and revealing it right in front of our eyes. And so today, that's the hope that I want us to have as we answer this question, are we really one nation under God? So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to be in two places, okay? We're going to start in 1 Peter. If you want to know where 1 Peter is, start at the back of your Bible. Start flipping left just a little bit. You'll run into 1 Peter. We're going to start out there in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 2, and then we'll end in 1 Peter 5. But the place we're going to spend most of our time is in Daniel 6. Daniel 6. So if you would like to be in both places, get to 1 Peter 2. Uh, if you want to just camp out in Daniel with us, get to Daniel 6. And the easiest way to do that is take your Bible, cut it in half. You're going to land somewhere around Psalms. Keep flipping Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, right? Like, you're going to get there, Jeremiah, you're going to get there, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, then you'll run into Daniel when you flip right. So Daniel 6 is where we're going to spend most of our time. I'm so thankful for our Vine production team. They're going to make sure wherever you're watching around the world that it's up there on screen, but it is our privilege to partner with the Bible app each and every week. And you can follow along with us there too, and I'd love to show you how to do that today. If you want to download the Bible app from your favorite app store, what you want to do is uh, when you download it, go ahead and open it up. Once you open it up, you want to click on the More tab. Once you click on the More tab, make sure your location services are on. Click on Events. There we go. And then once events are there, you're going to see the Vine TV worship experience. You're going to see today's message, Are We Really One Nation Under God? You're going to see all the scripture we're going to walk through, and you're also going to see a place for you to take notes and connect with us throughout the week if we can pray for you or serve you in any way. All right, I came in guns blazing. Is everybody ready? We're going to have a great day today. Let's, let's dive straight in. Okay, 1 Peter 2, 
verse 12 says this when we're answering this question, are we really one nation under God? Peter says it this way, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Remember last time we were together, we talked about what the meaning of life was. What is the meaning of life to glorify God? How do we live that out through obedience by being faithful to the end? Peter is saying right here, what we have to do is no matter what's going on around us, we got to love our neighbors. We got to meet them right where they are. We got to do things to point to Christ and give him the glory in all that we do, knowing that he is the only thing that satisfies. He is the only thing that fills. And when we do that, no matter what season we're in, whether it's pandemic, whether it's recession, whether it's the best booming economy we've ever been in, people will see the hope of Christ. And that is why we get to be here. And so what we have to figure out is, are we really one nation under God? I said, it starts with us. Here's how we're gonna know where we are. And this is what I love about 2020. We can either be under God, giving him the glory, being humble in all that we do, pointing to him in all that we do, loving our neighbor right where they are, right, meeting them right where they are and praying and believing they're gonna meet us right where they are, 100%, no matter what they look like, no matter how they vote, no matter what car they drive, whether it's domestic or foreign. Remember, that used to be a thing growing up. Now it's everywhere, right? Whatever it is, no matter what they do, no matter who their sports team is, the flag that they have hanging, the banner they have on their car or in the front yard, no matter what the political sign is on their yard, we love them right where they are. But that's living under God. But what God is revealing to us is some of us have become so intoxicated with culture and so consumed with culture that we don't even know that it's influencing us. We're so influenced by it that we don't know. If you're in culture, you're trying to chase money. You're trying to chase success. If you're in culture, believe it or not, you're consuming these opinion shows all the time. And I'm just gonna be honest with you. I got to talk about this Thursday night. For me right now, I had to take a break. Like I'm on social media just barely right now because I was realizing the anger inside of me that it was making happen. And that's not holy. <laughs> that's not of Jesus. It was frustrating me, the anger that would happen sometimes because I would look on there and I would see folks that I know love Jesus, but aren't talking about Jesus. They're talking about five letter people running for president on both sides. The five letters, you're doing it in your head right now. I know you're looking at it. Think about it, both of their last names are five letters, so go for there. They're talking more about that than the hope that Jesus gives. And they're wasting the equity that they have, for, that Jesus and the influence they've had for the people Jesus has placed in front of them, all for a 2020 election that in 2021 is gonna be over. It's not gonna matter. Why waste that? Why waste that? So when we look at this, we have to decide whether we're so intoxicated with culture and politics or are we really, are we really living under God? Because if we're really living under God, then we're gonna be able to, to know and point to him in all that we do. So let's go to this familiar story that many of us know, whether you've grown up in church or not, you've heard a version of this story, I'm sure, in Daniel 6. And I wanna show you if you choose to live under God, what to expect versus whether you live under culture. So Daniel 6, if you wanna get there in your Bible, I love that my Bible has two markers, so I get to cheat beforehand to get there, so don't get mad at me. I get to put two places in my Bible. So Daniel 6, if you're getting there one more time, just cut it in half, your Bible in half, you'll land in Psalms, keep flipping right, you'll get to Daniel. Daniel chapter six, while you're flipping there, I wanna set the stage. So Daniel is such an awesome story, such a great book 
uh, in the Bible if you've never read it. And it's going to show us how each and every one of us can live under God and still be a part of the culture we live in. So what's happening with Daniel at this time is they are being taken over by the Babylonians, okay? Jerusalem has completely been sacked. The temple has been beaten up and burned down and just looted by King Nebuchadnezzar. What a cool name. King Nebi, as I like to call him. Oh, Nebi. So he goes in, and what he's doing is he takes all the men in Israel, and he's trying to change them, and he's trying to get them in to and influence them into the Babylonian way of life. The Babylonian way of life. And so what he does is he takes these men, uh, Daniel being one of them, and he changes their language. He changes their diet. That's what Daniel 1 is all about. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Believe it or not, that is not their Hebrew name. That's a different name. You can go back and look at that. We remember them by their Babylonian names. Jesus convicted me of that as I was getting ready for this. But as we go back, that's what's happening in Daniel 1. Not only does he change uh, the language, he changes their education. He tries to indoctrinate them in the culture of the Babylonians. Then, after he changes their names, he tries to disconnect them from God. Because in Hebrew culture, your name connected you to Yeshua, connected you to God. It had a meaning to God. So, in other words, what Nebuchadnezzar would do, because this doesn't happen at all today, does it? Where someone tries to have a different language, where someone tries to have a different culture, and they try to change a name and try to change a look or have like a filter or anything on, or like a diet with, you know, was that organic or not? Like, how was that grown? Was that non-GMO? Like, you know, does that have anything like that? We don't have anything like that, and I'm so thankful that we don't have that anywhere in America. We know better. So I'm saying all that to say this is what King Nebuchadnezzar does. So he takes these guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are among, among them. And so what I want to show you in this as we go about this is Satan will do that with us. He'll ease us in to the culture. He'll ease us in. He'll just slowly ease us in. And that's why I was frustrated at social media and why I had to get off of it just for a little bit. I will still say happy birthday to you wherever you are, and I'll share church stuff. Just know that. But, like, that's why I've been off of it for, for a little bit, and I'll probably be off of it through this season of election season uh, a little bit just all the way through. Uh, here's the thing. Satan will ease us in and say, hey, you don't have to follow Jesus fully through this. You just give up just a little bit. Like, ah, your language. You can change it just a little bit. Hey, your name. It's about your name, not Jesus' name. Hey, about your diet or about your, your health physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially. You can, you can compromise that. That's not that big of a deal. Just ease into it. Well, the last time I checked, last time I checked, following Jesus wasn't halfway, was it? Because here's the thing. He didn't halfway live the perfect life the perfect sinless life for us. He didn't halfway pay the penalty for that sin on the cross, did he? He didn't halfway rise from the dead so that we could have life and have it to the full. No, 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 no. He fully did it. He fully did it. He was all in. And so we are called to be all in. So the question as we unpack, are we really one nation under God and we get to Daniel, we're gonna see that Daniel was fully under God. And the question is, will we continue to be fully under God or will we choose to be 98% or 97% there? And today, I would love for us to walk away knowing that we are fully under God. So if you've got your Bible, that's what's happening. Daniel is in captivity. King Darius is king at the time. He issues a decree. We're going to read about it in a minute. And the decree says, if any man prays to another God or human being other than King Nebuchadnezzar, 
Then they will be thrown into the lion's or King Darius, excuse me, they will be thrown into the lion's den. So there's a 30-day period where they can't do that. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in verse 10. We hanging in there? Give me some yeses. Yes, I see some yeses. I see some maybes. That works. We're good with that. So we're hanging in there. Daniel 6, Daniel 6, verse 10 says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows, I love this, opened toward Jerusalem. Yeah, opened toward Jerusalem. See, Daniel saw what God saw. See, the world saw that Jerusalem was ruins, but instead, Daniel knew that the presence of the Lord was there, so he made sure that he was looking at the presence of the Lord, not what the world saw. So I want you to know right now, maybe wherever you are right now, maybe you're trying to look and you think everything's ruined around you. Will you look to the presence of the Lord and see what he's building, and would you trust him in that? And maybe, just maybe, 2020 is not going to be that bad. So I love how Daniel starts out that way. Three times a day, he got down on his knees, and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Then these men went up as a group, found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes, and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Time out for a quick second. You know I'm a nerd. Okay, so the law, the law of the Medes and the Persians is the Code of Hammurabi. So Daniel is around 600 B.C. The Code of Hammurabi is around 17, 1800 B.C. And the reason this matters to us is it's the first time that laws were codified, and it brought up this phrase, innocent until proven guilty. Does that sound familiar? innocent until proven guilty. It affects our laws. As a matter of fact, the Code of Hammurabi went through the law of the Medes and the Persians that led to the Romans, which is where we get the basis of our legal system here in America, goes all the way back there. And back then, the law couldn't be vetoed or repealed or taken away. And so you could almost say that the law of the land stood against Daniel and seeking the presence of God. Nerd alert, sorry. Go ahead and look that up. You're good. So, verse 13, verse 13, we're going to hang in there. We're going to hang in there. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persian, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Verse 17 is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. We could do a whole series on this. Look and pay attention to this. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. I always see Jesus right here in this moment where the stone was put over the mouth of the den and look why. And the king sealed it with his signet ring and the ring of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. It's one of my favorite things. And and this is how Jesus hits me with this every time I, I read this and I dive into his word. Would I stay under God if my situation didn't change? If my situation looked like certain death, would I stay serving under God 
or would I compromise? Because that's going to tell me whether I'm really serving under God or serving under culture. Daniel continues in there, so much so that he continues under God and the situation did not change. Then the king returned to his palace, spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Before I give you number one, this is a king that says you have to worship me. What does the Ten Commandments say? Do not put any idols before me. I'm the Lord your God. Serve no other God before me. A pagan king is worried about an Egyptian, well, an Israelite, excuse me, slave, an Israelite, Hebrew, a conquered people, whether he's gonna survive or not. You tell me that pointing to God is not gonna make a difference in your life? Holy cannoli. So if you were gonna live under God and not live under culture, the first thing that you have to know is I want you to not be surprised by attacks. Do not be surprised by attacks. You see, the thing I love about Daniel is it didn't say he was surprised when the law was ordered. He kept on doing what God called him to do. He was obedient. You know the fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran where people are getting their heads chopped off for professing the name of Jesus. Persecution. And about a building, it's not about the size of a congregation. It's about pointing to Jesus and living out, being all that he made him to be. They're not surprised by attacks. Yet here in America, we are blessed that we can congregate here together. The question is, what do we do with our freedom? And so if you're gonna follow Jesus, I wanna tell you we have been blessed, but it's gonna come if it's not already here. When we live under God and not under culture, we're gonna be attacked. And don't be surprised by it. Daniel wasn't. What I love about it is not only was he not surprised about it, once, once he discovered that he was breaking the law, did it say he resisted? He just continued on. His situation didn't change. Verse 17, so much so. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, if somebody was putting me in a cage with some lions, I'm going to be upset. Like, you best bet I'm probably going to be kicking and screaming. They're going to have to do something. Like, y'all going to have to get a crane to get me in there. There's going to have to be something. Like, I'm going to be kicking and screaming. And the only way I'm going out of there is if I have no will left in me because that's where I needed to be. But Daniel didn't do that. He just continued on. I wonder if we would trust that. What is it that Jesus said we would be like sheep led to the slaughter when we're in this world? I wonder if we would continue to do that, living under God, that even though it may look hopeless in a situation, we know where our hope lies. You see, all the way through, what I love is, is not only did I see Daniel continue to stay under God, but the king himself, who didn't really trust the Lord fully, saw Daniel's faith, and he was worried about him. Yet he cared more about sitting under the law and not repealing the decree than he did by sitting under God. And what's crazy is all the way through, he stayed up all night worried about him. And I think for many of us right now, as we go into this crazy election, as we go into every election year, it seems like it gets worse and worse every time. But so many times, we believe that in order to succeed, we've got to compromise our faith. In this world, in a political party, all the way through, we have to compromise. And we say, well, well, they stand for this, but they don't stand for that. Who cares? What is it that God has called you to do? Not them. 
Don't compromise your faith or compromise your belief. Stand firm in the Lord, putting on the full armor all the way through, even if it means you got to go to the mouth of the lions. Because what ends up happening all the way through is when we start selling out, have you noticed how when you start jettisoning things, like I always think of a ship that's sinking, usually start throwing the excess weight overboard, right? So that way you have a chance. But that's what happens with your faith. You start with one small thing, and then it just keeps going and going and going and going to all of a sudden you don't even know where your faith is anymore because you've compromised yourself so much. Don't compromise. Don't compromise who Jesus is. Don't compromise who he is to you. Don't compromise your faith because all the way through we think that if we compromise, we can just get through the day. But Daniel, Daniel didn't compromise. Did you see him get mad at the king at all? I mean, you got to know that the king was going to worry about him because Daniel had the favor of the Lord on him. As a matter of fact, he went through four different administrations all the way through. If you ever read, uh, if you ever read the book of Daniel, he had favor of the Lord all the way from Daniel 1 on. I'm sure he could have just pled to the king, don't throw me in there with the lions. Like, you know that I'm a man of God. You just said it, but he didn't. He kept on. He wouldn't compromise. My question for each and every one of us is, what are we compromising right now for the Lord? That's why I had to get off social media. I was compromising my peace, my anger. It wasn't love. It wasn't the love of the Lord. Because I would read those things and be like, I know this person loves Jesus, but they're so angry about a five-letter presidential candidate. It's crazy. And I knew if I started to make that compromise, it would just lead to more and more compromise. And my friends, Jesus didn't die for us to compromise. He died for all of us. He died for all of us. So I think for each and every one of us, we need to understand, as Daniel goes, that we have to stay under God. Do not compromise. Know that when the attacks come, there's no point to negotiate. As I was reading this, I didn't see a negotiation as a realtor. You know, that's what I'm thinking right now. Hey, there's, there's some common ground somewhere, right? Like, we can find common ground so we can move forward. Like, does there have to be five lions in there? Can I just get one? Like, can there just be a few less? Like, can I make sure? What, which one has already ate? That's the one that I want in there with me. Which one likes to be petted? Like, which one, which one is the fun one? Like, I want to know which one is the one I want to be with. Is there some room for compromise is what I would do, but we are called to not compromise. Jesus said it this way all the way through in John 15. If you ever do it, he talks about, I'm gonna paraphrase, but it's verse 18 and 19. He talks about not to be surprised by attacks. Don't be surprised if the world hates you because it hated him first. And when we are in him, we will be hated. But he reminds us of this, but I chose you out of the world. We have to remember as the world comes and attacks us that we can't be surprised by attack, but we can see the attack as an opportunity to see where our true hope lies and see who we trust in and whether we're living under God or living under culture. Because in the attack, we'll realize where we're putting our hope. Maybe it was the job. Boop, goes away. Okay, God, it's all yours. It's not the job. Maybe it was the status. Maybe it was the house. Maybe it was the college degree. Whatever it is, as the attack comes, we will see our faith grow or we will see the things that are robbing us of our faith. But you see, Daniel stood firm in his faith and that's what we are called to do. And so will we stand firm? Because when the attacks come, I just wanna say this, we say it all the time at weddings. When the attacks come, why in the world do we think we can undermine God's plan? We say it at weddings, don't we? Let no man what? put asunder what, what God has brought together? Why do we think that we can derail God's plans? 
So why in the world do we think that somebody who lives in a house up between Maryland <laughs> and Virginia, why do we think that that person's gonna derail his will or his plans? Could Darius derail God's plans? We're about to read he couldn't. But there is one man that submitted to his will and completely changed a decree that was brought to the land. Let's go on in the story. So if you're gonna be under God, don't be surprised by attacks. Verse 19, at first light of dawn, the king got up. He hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Look at this, a paid man. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you for the, from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of lions. Imagine that. Like when y'all saw that angel, my goodness, I wouldn't let go of that thing. Like I'm telling you right now, when that angel came and shut the mouth of the lions, think about Daniel, man. I think about that moment. I would have just been like, where have you been? You couldn't come when they were sealing it? Like you couldn't come when the rock was up? Where were you when I was praying but now you're here like I love that Daniel's right there and he says hey the angel shut the mouths of the lions they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you your majesty look at what the king does the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den I don't know about you they wouldn't have to lift me out I would crawl out on my hand they ain't no way I don't care what would happen I would find a way out of that den I couldn't get out of that place fast enough and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. Before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Man, that's a going into the fall season. That's a harvest season <laughs> nightmare movie, right? But what I want you to see is this. If Daniel would have had his hope in himself, he might as well have been like those people who falsely accused him because he would have been crushed by those lions. But instead, he had his hope in the Lord and he trusted in the Lord. And so for each and every one of us, not only do we not need to be surprised by attacks, we need to live out living under God by this. Do not represent yourself, you represent Christ. Here's what I mean by that. Don't try to represent yourself. Daniel didn't try to represent himself. He didn't go before God and tell him how good he was, how he had stood up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how he had kept the, the diet and away from the royal diet, how Daniel was the only one that kept his Hebrew name, even though he was called different names by the Babylonians. He's the only one that we know and remember by his Hebrew name. He didn't stand up and say that. He didn't try to represent himself. As a matter of fact, when the king said, what cracks me up is the king said there in verse 20, has the God who you serve continually, like Daniel didn't stand up and be like, you know I serve God continually. Why would you issue this decree? Like he never did that. He never tried to represent himself. Instead, he represented Christ. He represented God. He understood that there was something greater than this moment that he was living in, that he was representing. And so for each and every one of us, I want us to see so many times in this season where our hope lies, because the thing I want you to know is when you try to represent yourself, you're putting your hope in anything other than Christ. Because when we do that, we expect the powerful to protect us. Did Daniel have any protection from the king? The king actually sealed that tomb with lions with his own ring. 
And see, we expect the powerful to protect us, don't we? We expect the powerful to protect us right now. What I mean by that is so many times what breaks my heart is we've abdicated our duty as the body of Christ to the government to be a social safety net instead of meeting each other right where we are, feeding the orphans and the widows and being the hands and feet of Jesus. We have put more of our hope in a government program than we have in Christ Jesus and being his church. And I see it. This isn't a beat up moment. This is a huge opportunity that Jesus has given us to see, hey, somewhere along the way, we lost our way. But instead of abdicating our role anymore, there's gonna be a moment where we're attacked. There's gonna be a moment where we're falsely accused, but the church will rise up, can rise up. The question is, will we stay under God or will we stay under cultural influence? Because if we let the world invade us, there's no way that we can change it. But if we go out into the world, just like Daniel did, we can change the culture around us so much so that people who think their power and their status make all the difference will finally see that none of that matters. None of it does. The only thing that matters is who we say our Lord is. Our self, our culture, this world, or Christ Jesus. And so for each and every one of us, I want us to be reminded in this moment, God did not appoint Darius to save. Only God is mighty to save. Only through Christ can we experience salvation. David said it this way in Psalm 20. He said, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots. But as for me, we believe in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. The question is, do we believe in the name of the Lord? Even if our situation didn't change, do we believe in the name of the Lord? Do we? Because if we do, then it's not gonna matter what this election does. It's not gonna matter. It's not gonna matter what's happening in the state of our country because the thing that we have to understand and the question we have to, uh, that we have to answer is this. Who or what will save us when the time comes? Where our hope lies is the answer to that. Daniel was reconciled to death. He knew if this was it, this was it. I'm not worried about it. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said it when they were there. He said, hey, if this is it, this is it. I'm ready to go. If it's it, it's it, but I'm gonna do it for your glory no matter what. If they're gonna kill me for worshiping you, Lord, by all means, let it happen. Let it happen. And I even have to question myself to say, man, could I do that? Like, I hear them lions growling like we're at the wrong part of the zoo, King, <laughs> like King Darius. We're in the wrong place. Like the giraffes are somewhere, right? Like, I wanna go see those or a little petting zoo over there. Like, no, 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 no. He continued forward. He wasn't surprised by attacks, but the way he continued forward is he didn't mount his own defense. He didn't try to get a rock star defense team. He just trusted in the Lord. And so the thing that I want you to know right here, and I want to ask you is who will you trust when the time comes? Because it could come sooner than later. I'm not into that dystopian, you know that is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the dystopians. Actually, I, I am, but I'm not one for doom and gloom and fear because Jesus came to set us free from that fear of sin and death, so I don't have to worry about any of that mess. Whatever happens, happens. But for each and every one of us, if we want to trust that, we've got to live under God and not under cultural influence. Let's go on and see how this story ends. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and all the peoples of every language and all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Look at this. Whew. From Daniel's stories. 
Oh, from Daniel just pointed him. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heaven and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. The king saw Jesus is who he says he is. He saw God is who he says he is from Daniel being rescued from the lions. From Daniel deciding that I'm going to live under God, not under culture. I'm going to continue to know, no matter if I'm falsely accused, no matter if I'm thrown into a cave with some hungry lions, and they don't want me to to be walking out of here alive, I'm going to stay under God no matter what. So much so it changed the king. I wonder if we live that out. Would we influence those who are in power? I wonder, would we just live under God? Would we just live under God and let the rest take care of itself? If you think that us not living under God can impact those around us, look. Remember what happens with the issue of decree for the king, it can't be repealed? King Darius said, hey, instead of worshiping me, everybody needs to worship God, the God of Daniel, because he is who he says he is. So the third thing I want you to know, if you're gonna live under God, is do not rule out God's provision. Do not rule out God's provision. See, too many times when it comes to that moment where we're falsely accused or we're in this crazy situation where we feel like we're under attack, we can fall into sin or despair, can't we? Usually the sin is this. Well, if I do just this little bit wrong, look at how much good I can do, even if I just do this little bit wrong. And that's a slippery slope. Or we fall into what I think the world we live in more than ever is right now. Anxiety, despair, and anger. And we say the phrase, I don't possibly see how any good can come out of this, Lord. You ever been there? Probably some of us are here right now, right? We think that. But I want to tell you, instead of going into sin or despair, look to the cross. Look to Jesus. That's all Daniel did. See, his window was open toward the presence of God. He always looked to the presence of God. What I think of is Daniel, as that stone was getting closed up on that mouth of the lions, he looked one last time to know where Israel was, so he could be, or where Jerusalem was, so he could be pointed towards it when he prayed, so he could be at the presence of God. And when he did, that's where the angel came from. As it came in there, that angel came from there, and he was focused on that the whole time, and it shut the mouth of those lions, so much so that when the light appeared again, he saw the king and came out, And the king says, my goodness, there is a God, and it's not me. If we live under God, we realize that. If we live under culture, we think that we are God. The king was moved. So, so many times in in our ways and so many times as we answer this question, I'm going to start kind of where I'm going to end where I kind of started before we get to 1 Peter 5 is this. Are we really one nation under God? Well, it starts with you and me. Are we living under God fully? Are we given 97%? Hey, 97% is good. That's an A, man. Like, who doesn't want all A's? 97%? Man, oh, man, we could do that. All A's, that's awesome. 99%. I can't possibly give 100%. Like, I know that. Like, I'm not perfect, right? Like, I can't do that. Only Jesus was. So I'm only going to give 99%, but Jesus calls us all, all. He wants all of us. He died for all of us. So for each and every one, like all of us, all of everything, everything. When he said he wants all, everything, everything, our brokenness, our pride, 
everything, our shame, our guilt, everything he wants. He wants all of us. And when we live that way and all of us are to him, we can't help but let the light shine the brightest in us. And that's what Daniel does. So I want you to know all the way through, it starts with each and every one of us. It starts with you. Are we one nation under God? Are you one nation under God? Are you? Am I? Are we one nation under God? 1 Peter 5, 6 says it this way. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. I love this. That he may what? Lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves. Live under God, in other words. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Here's what I'm trying to get. This is the the culmination. Message, sermon in a sentence, if you will, is this. Daniel didn't run from culture. He influenced it, and here's how he did it. He rendered to Caesar what was Caesar's, and he rendered to God what was God's. He wasn't afraid to do that. He stayed under God's mighty hand the whole time, and at just the right time, he was lifted up. And the same will be said for us. But we gotta decide to live under him first. Not under a political party, not under, not under affiliation. As a matter of fact, yes, we are all Americans, but before that, we are children of God if we are in Christ Jesus. And I would hope that we could live that out because the thing is, as we walk around talking about that, if we don't live saying we're under children of God, we're not saying the local churches around the world, we're saying the local church is only in our country. And I'm telling you right now, There are people in Iran right now that are getting thrown into prison. That would beg to differ. (laughs) There's underground churches in China that have people raiding them right now, falsely accusing them, shipping them off in trains to concentration camps. Yet we have our freedom. We live under God. Even those in China will be affected. Those in power will be affected. Those in our city will be affected. Those in our state will be affected. Those in our nation will be affected if we live under God. And so if you don't get anything else from today, I want to tell you this. God was on the throne long before you and I were born. He was on the throne long before 2020. As a matter of fact, let me tell you so much about our God that's so awesome. When Daniel went into this season in Babylonian captivity, God knew that the Israelites were going to be conquered. He knew that they were going to go into captivity for 70 years. He also knew that there were going to be four different kings that Daniel served under. Yet Daniel was risen up all the way through. He was about to be in charge of the kingdom, just like Joseph. And I bet he was probably fussing. I would be fussing at God, being like, hey, Joseph got to be a really cool story. Remember, he said what they meant for evil you were using for good and like, I was going to get to run the whole empire, but no, no, no. You threw me in the lion's den instead, right? Like, he was probably there, but I want to tell you, God already knows who's going to win. And the thing is, no matter who wins, his will will not be thwarted. The question is, will we be a part of it? The question is, will we trust him in it? The question is, will we say, God, whatever you're trying to do, I want to be a part of it. Count me in. If I got to go face some lions, by golly, I'm in. If I got to go out there and run through the fiery furnace, I'm in. And I don't know about you, but if that fiery furnace, man, that's like a sauna, I'll shed some pounds, I'm down. I know I'm not in there alone. What does it look like for us? Will we decide to be under God? Because if we're under God, I don't care what political sign you got in your yard. I care where you're going to spend eternity. 
I care that you know the love of Christ more than I care about who you punch on that machine. I care more. I care more about that. And so in this season, will we do the same? Because when we do, when we do, we'll be able to influence the culture around us more than we ever thought possible. Because in the ballad of life, if you will, in the battle, in the ballad of life, death is not an option. We're all gonna die. It's not a choice. Like, we can't sit there and flip up and down and be like, ah, you know, I wanna, yeah, I wanna live until 3,000, year 3,000. Like, we don't have that choice. In physical body, it's going to happen. We will die. The choice is whether our life and death will count for something that matters or will it die with a political party or will it die with a platform or will it die with something that 300 years from now won't even be around that didn't exist 300 years ago. And so for each and every one of us, if we're under God, it'll count to something. And if we wanna know how to live that life, look to the cross. John 3, 16, 17 says it this way, all the way through, it's probably the most known verse that we know all the way through. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What I'm telling you, did you see Daniel condemning the king through that whole story? Nope. Who rendered judgment? The king. He threw the false accusers in. You know what? The one rendering judgment for us is the king, King Jesus. He took the judgment and the wrath for us on the cross, the wrath and death that we deserved on the cross. He did that for each and every one of us. The only thing that we can do is receive this free gift of salvation. And I don't know where you are right now. The Holy Spirit could be moving in you. And a question that I wanna ask you is, are you living under culture or are you living under God? If you're living under culture, I wanna tell you what you're living under will fade and it will die. It will die. But if you're living under Christ, what you're doing is you're not trying to be set free to, to have your voice heard or have some bill of rights or to, you know, to, to have the right to bear arms or the, the, the right to freedom of speech or due process or, or, or to, to have the separation of powers or, or any of those things. Jesus died for so much more than that. He died so that we could be set free from sin. And I just wanna ask you, if you've never considered Jesus, how free are you right now? Could your freedom die with an election? Because the freedom I have in Christ will never die, never. And so I would ask you to consider the cross today because there's only one thing that has ever existed that loves you enough that it would rather die for you than to not be in a relationship with you, and that is God. And so today, with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask everyone just to think for just a moment and repeat these words after me in just a moment for the benefit of those who are coming to faith for the first time. Have you considered Jesus? So we're gonna pray this out loud. It's not the words of this prayer that saves us, but the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So with every head bow and every eye closed, please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner <clears throat> separated from you. I believe you came, lived the sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve for my sins on the cross, but love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again 
so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if that's you, whether you're watching online or listening throughout the week, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three, wherever you are. If you're in the house, raise your hand. If you're listening or watching online, you're going to see a hand that's raised. If you're going throughout the week and it's the first time that you can say that you have received this free gift of salvation, I'm going to ask you to respond. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand. You can reach us at prayer at divine.tv or 864 580-6698. We would love to celebrate with you and walk with you what this looks like to live under God's mighty hand. And for the rest of us, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into worship. And I'm just going to ask you in this moment, would you just trust God if he reveals something that he shows you that, hey, maybe you're not fully living under him. Maybe you're compromising somewhere in your life, and he is calling you to confess and repent of that today. If you would like to talk with someone during the song or after the song, grab us. We would love to pray with you. Uh, but I just know in this moment, we have the freedom that only Christ can bring. But the thing is, if we're stuck in our shame and guilt that he died to set us free from, we can't share him with the world. So today, let's get set free from that and experience the healing that can only come from confession and repentance. So Jesus, thank you again for this day. Thank you that you allow us to live in a time such as this and that we can point to you. Jesus, remind us today that as the darkness is its darkness, that the light shines the brightest. So I pray today, whatever we're walking through, that we would see that it's a moment and an opportunity to point to you. I pray that we wouldn't be surprised by attacks, that we wouldn't try to represent ourselves, but instead would trust that we are representing you. And all the way through, Jesus, I just pray that we would know that your provision is enough, whatever that may be. We love you, Jesus. We lay this at your feet. Amen. Jesus hung upon the cross His broken body laid to rest As earth was filled with hopelessness Till the Son of Man began to wake and the tomb became an empty grave. Oh, the tomb became an empty grave. It was the death of death when you rose to life, when the dark surrendered to the risen light. Oh, praise the Savior, Jesus. Christ, it was the death of death and our victory. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, we have victory in Christ, right? Like, right? That, that's old school victory in Jesus, Him. But we get to see this. We see His death was given for us. And so whatever we do today, I pray that we would point to Him. You know, we can go out there and point to Him and show where real hope lies. I mean, really, I'm so excited that He's given us this opportunity because I'm going to tell you, day after election day, some hopes are going to be dashed, right? Whenever that is, it might be next year that it's decided. The hopes are going to be dashed, but in Christ, it's eternal. So let's go point to him in all that we do. So I hope that you have an awesome week. Plan to gather together back with us next week. We start a brand new series called Reclaim. Alex Hamby is going to be bringing the preach, sharing his story, and all kind of good stuff. So I can't wait to celebrate being reclaimed in Christ together. Always remember the best is still yet to come.